It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week... The Sir Alex Ferguson of Sevens Rugby, Gordon Titchen, signs on for the Rio de Janeiro Olympics. Confusion over qualifying standards leads to the world junior shot put champion Jack O'Gill giving up on the London Olympics. And we hear how the Warriors and the Blues plan to get their seasons back on track. And just why the Southern Steel won't be the also-rans of the Trans-Tasman netball competition. Signing on to coach the New Zealand Rugby Seven side through to the 2016 Olympics was tinged with disappointment for Gordon Titchens this week. Titchens, who's been the National Sevens coach since 1994, expects the 2016 Games to be his swan song, which means he'll never get to coach at super rugby level. I spoke to Gordon Titchens about his decision to sign on for another four years. Gordon, signing through to 2016, this must make you the uh, Alex Ferguson of the Sevens world, does it? I'm probably the longest serving coach in, in New Zealand rugby, I suppose, and if you look at it in that way. But um, yeah, it's just something that's um, it's a dream, really. When I look at it, it'll be 23 years by the time uh, another four years. So yeah, certainly a long, long time. But uh, again, I'm only doing it because I'm still passionate about it and still really enjoy it. How much thought did you have to, to give it? Not a lot of thought. I didn't really receive offers, but I've, I've certainly had discussions um, from different countries that, are, that did approach you about what they were looking A lot of them probably anticipated I was looking to, to stand out and retire and not really realising going ahead to the Olympics because I'd been involved for so long. I remember being interviewed after Delhi and asked would I ever coach another side outside New Zealand and uh, my answer then was I'd never coach a team to play against a New Zealand team. Well, what does keep you going? I mean to survive that length of time in any coaching position is pretty unusual. Yeah it is probably been with being successful um, winning the majority of the World Series, 9 out of the 12 and 4 com games and you know that, that sort of drives you a little bit because you're always looking to, to, to reap the rewards of winning a tournament and um, and I, I think working with the younger players that have come through the sevens team, 36 or 37, that have gone on to become All Blacks, and and that to me is a real drive for me to promote those players. And it's not just what they do on the field; it's also um, educating these kids off the field in terms of nutrition, work ethic, and then seeing them succeed. That's uh, that to me is a, a real big part of the, the pleasure of coaching. Because when you've won so much, it must get you must get a little blasé about it. No, I never get blasé about it. Every tournament you win, and you see the hard work that you you go through and the preparation you do to to win these tournaments, it's still uh, extremely pleasing when you when you do win it. I never ever take a tournament for granted, and uh, one's as good as one another. And I suppose when I look at memorable moments in my coaching career, when you see a player lifting that, being presented with a gold medal, and the raising of the flag, and the listening to the anthem is there's nothing better than that and uh, for that uh, in Rio and if that was to happen in 2016 that would be a, certainly a dream come true. Is there anyone you model your coaching career on? Um, no really I, I haven't 
No, I have met Alex Ferguson, to be fair, in Manchester in, in 2002. Um, went to meet him, his philosophies around coaching, and he coached for so long. And uh, perhaps I'll model a little bit around him, to be fair. Um, we had huge discussions on, on what he saw in players and, and what he saw in coaching. And, uh, yeah, I, I certainly benefited a lot in those discussions. And uh, But he is someone that I certainly look up to because of the, the period of time he has been coaching and the, the success he's had as well. Disappointment that you've never cracked it or got a crack at Super 12, Super 15 now? I, I coached Bayer Plenty in the 15 aside, you know, got them to, to first division in five years, six years, and enjoyed my time with them. Um, I applied for a, a super coaching role um, a number of years ago. I wasn't successful, so um, perhaps I felt then that, that Sevens was my niche, and yet I feel uh, the secret to being a good coach is. is, is um, is your people's skills, which to me is, is very, very important in getting the respect of the players that want to go out and play for you. And that to me is a key ingredient. And I felt that I, perhaps if there'd been a, an opportunity, I would have would have latched onto that opportunity, but that was a few years back now. So, uh, but now my niche is, is sevens and that's where I'm going to stay. So a, a little disappointment obviously lingers there. Yeah, a little, little, little disappointment, but, uh, but in saying that, um, um, to me, it's the game of rugby. It's the rules are exactly the same, and um, it's the, just working with the players and, and coaching a New Zealand team. Uh, to me, is, is always special, and what that jersey means to the players, and also what it means to me as well. You're going to Rio too, with the US being the reigning Olympic champions. Yeah, we are. Yeah, going there. Quite strange, really. Yeah, going to Rio with them being it. But um, yeah, I think it'd be fantastic. Long way, long way to go. Yeah, but. Um, Certainly, uh, it's going to be certainly for a lot of players out there, and it's going to be some exciting times for players that are going to hopefully put their hand up and, and want to have a crack to make that team. And you'll see that as your swan song. Yeah, yeah, I certainly will probably see that as my swan song and, and sevens rugby and um, have a bit of downtime. That's New Zealand rugby sevens coach Gordon Titchens. The world junior shot put champion Aucklander Jack O'Gill has given up on competing at the London Olympics amid confusion over qualifying criteria. Athletics New Zealand High Performance Director Scott Goodman concedes his organisation has played a part in Gill's decision to give up on London as it wasn't made clear what just athletes needed to do to be named in the initial squad. Athletics New Zealand and the New Zealand Olympic Committee set their own standard which is designed to ensure athletes can be top 16 in the world and he'd achieved that standard. That standard was 20 metres 30. uh, the uh, the IAAFA standard is 20 metres 50. The IAAB standard is 20 metres. So he was well over the B standard. He's over the New Zealand uh, standard they'd set, but he hadn't reached the IAAFA standard. And um, the issue is the entry process, they only allow you to enter one person with a B standard. Per event. Per event. And that meant that if they named Jacko or potentially any other uh, event where that was happening, it meant other athletes that might qualify would have uh, no opportunity to be um, considered for selection. Was he clear that was the situation? Because there's obviously been some debate over where things stand. Uh, he wasn't clear, and that's the you know, frustrating um a dilemma for his family. Uh, I met with them when I sort of picked up that this might happen, but it was only three or four weeks ago. And, yeah, the, the way it unfolded, that he hasn't been 
uh, I suppose he hadn't been named in that first announcement. And as a result, he's gone back and had a think about it and decided to focus on World Juniors. So where does the blame lie in not, him not knowing what standard he needed to reach? Uh, I, I think that in the policy, there should have been a clause that made it clear that for the first announcement, um, the, the selectors, in order to you know give everybody an equal opportunity, probably, or not probably, would only name athletes that had done the IAAFA standard and that those athletes that had achieved the Olympic standard would be added once it was clear there was no um, no one else that um, was trying to take the available spot. So does that lie with Athletics New Zealand or with the NZOC? I, I would have to say it was probably people within Athletics New Zealand that would have drafted up that policy. No doubt he's pretty disappointed or pretty angry over the matter? No, he's disappointed. And the family are disappointed. But he um, he's actually very happy with the decision he's made because it, he's a very focused individual. So it's allowing him to focus uh, and put his energies into... He wants to defend his Junior World Championships title and he wants to set the world record. And his longer-term ambitions uh, are quite clear that he wants to become an Olympic medalist. But... That was never really um, the focus for him for this year. Although London had been on the radar for some time for him. Yeah, I think a lot of people will struggle with the decision, but the, the reality is that he goes to World Juniors, which is 10th to the 15th of July, and they throw a six-kilo shot put, and then three weeks later he'd have to compete with the 7.26-kilo shot put. And the... You know, he's a 17-year-old kid. He hasn't really competed that much with that heavier implement weight. So it's not like he was a 100-metre runner and all he has to do is run 100 metres. It actually uh, changes the focus of his training. And he's actually he he's very happy that he's made the decision. And I suppose for hard, some of us, it, it's hard to contemplate that he's he's able to say that, well, London wasn't a priority for him this year. The World Junior Championships is his priority. Although that priority's changed, has it not? Because 12 months ago, London would have been his priority. I suppose I wasn't involved with him 12 months ago. Uh, all I can say to you is that he has made this decision. If he'd been named a week and a half ago, he would have tried to juggle both. But he's actually sat down, because it wasn't as though he wasn't going to be uh, added to go to London. I'm sure that would have happened. But um, he's decided that he doesn't want that distraction. He wants to focus on the World Junior event. Although he would have known that all along, hadn't he, when he was looking toward London. So, I mean, nothing's changed from that perspective. You can say that, but I suppose it brought home to him um, what I do with my training over the next few months. I'd actually be uh, clearer and happier to just focus on that one event. And he is very focused on winning or defending his title and he wants to set a world record for under 20 men. You mentioned he's obviously a very focused individual, but he's also very young at 17. I mean, reaching his peak is still quite some way off. Yeah, absolutely. Most male throwers aren't in their peak until late 20s. Um, the current world champion from last year, I think, is quite young. He's about 22, but generally they're 26 to 32. So can you see him staying motivated to that point? 
that he oh, worries where, where he is actually going to reach his peak. He is happy with his decision, and he's, in his mind, it's giving him a very clear focus, and it's part of his pathway to becoming an international athlete. A disappointment, though, from Athletics New Zealand's perspective? It would be, yeah, <laughs> like because so many people would have liked to have seen him compete in London. That I think, if you stand back, you know, he's 17 years of age in a you know a men's power event. Who's to say that this isn't a, like a, a really a logical and positive decision, and that it might ensure that he is there in three, seven, twelve years' time? That it, it, um, it's a more logical pathway, if you if you like. I was talking to Athletics New Zealand's High Performance Director, Scott Goodman. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The Warriors are hoping their season can get back on track in the National Rugby League competition this weekend when they play the Raiders in Canberra. Grand finalists last year, the Warriors are languishing in 11th spot in the 16-team competition after a surprise loss to the Sydney Roosters last round. So far, the Warriors have won only two of their five games. Slow starts, simple errors and poor set completion have led to their woes, but forward Elijah Taylor told Richard Wayne just how they plan to rectify their issues. No one likes losing, and uh, especially our team. We're just really focused on getting our processes right, um, working on our starts, doing all the little things correct. We really want to win this game and uh, we'll put an onus on ourselves to win it, but it's not going to be easy. We have to work hard for it. Uh, it's the NRL and uh, nothing comes free. I guess you guys are getting sick of being asked about the slow starts, but it's just such a feature, isn't it? It's just something you've got to get rid of. It is, and yeah, we really just got to knuckle down and have a bit of attitude going in towards games, uh, getting defensively right, uh, attacking, make sure it's sound, and just our fundamentals let us down last weekend, and we can't afford to do that again. What can you do to counter that? Is it a, 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 is it a question of perhaps you know warming up a different way or, or for longer? Um, I think it's just attitude, Richard. Um, you know, I think we can try a lot of different uh, warm-up styles or different techniques, but at the end of the day, it's just catching the ball, and that's what we've done since we're 12 years old. So, yeah, there's no excuses for drop balls. Um, it's just an attitude. We've just got to make sure we're all on the same page. Everybody knows what they're doing. We're all headed in the same direction and stick to our processes and it should take care of the result. I think you've got an extra man on the bench with Chris Nanu coming in. Is uh, is that good for you know competition to, to, to have a bit of competition going for that last, that, that last place on the bench? At our club, there's a lot of competition for spots. We all know that, um, especially in my positions. But it's awesome having competition because it keeps everybody on their toes. Uh, no one can get lethargic, you can't afford to, or you'll be playing Vulcans. And you have to make sure you perform every week. And a lot of the boys in the foot pack and out on the edges have that mentality. We have uh, you know, Kevin Locke coming back from injury, Conrad Harrell coming back. You know, so it's good competition and it brings the best out of all the boys. I guess you'll have to be looking over your shoulder once Michael Luck gets, uh, gets fit again. But then again, you've been doing a pretty good job and he might have to step up if he's going to get his starting place back. Mate, Michael will be welcome back with opener. Um, he's got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, you can't you can't buy that experience. Uh, he's the main reason why we uh, made our finals charge last year. He offers a lot of direction on the field, and um, I'm sure the boys will be very keen and happy to have him back in the side and do my best to put put pressure on him. But 
uh, Mark will be straight back into 13. So I've got to do my job and do my job thorough until he gets back. That's Warriors forward Elijah Taylor talking to Richard Wayne. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Another Auckland-based side's also having problems getting their season underway. In fact, the Blues are in a worse state than the Warriors, having won just one of their five Super Rugby games so far to sit at the bottom of the New Zealand Conference. Joe Porter spoke to former All Blacks flanker Daniel Braid about how the Blues intend mounting a comeback. We sort of drifted away with, um, from things that we, we have done well in the past within our game and um, you know, our game structure, so we, we've put things in place and, and guys have identified what we need to do there. You've played plenty of rugby in the past. I mean, have you been in these sorts of situations before where the pressure is mounting from the public, from the fans, Blues rugby, obviously very passionate fans. Have you been in that situation before where you've had to reverse, I guess, a not great start to the season? Um, I haven't been in a position this this. <laughs> We were this far down the table, I don't think, at, at the Blues, um, you know, where there is that expectation. Uh, I was saying at the Reds, where we weren't going too well, but the expectation wasn't there, so the pressure isn't, you know, isn't as high. So, you know, it's uh, there, you know, the expectation is there, and the expectation is there from ourselves, um, in the way that we want to play as well. So, there's a lot of motivation there for us to to start improving from this week. How, how do you sort of, I guess, um, transmute that kind of calmness onto the younger guys? Obviously, they'd be feeling the strain, you know, coming into such an environment, guys that haven't played for the Blues before. How, how do you sort of let them know that it is an exorbitant amount of expectation and pressure, but it's not something that they should be focusing on too much? Yeah, it's a bit. That's where you, you get your focus, what you're looking at, and you know, you, we've got to just take the focus away from the, from the end of the season. It's a, it's about um, week by week, a bit of a cliche, but that's what you you've got to dig yourself out. Um, you know, one step at a time from from very early on, starting with this game, and then it's it's about you know um, building confidence within the team. You know, especially with the leaders, um, you know, having confidence and um, and really leading, and then the, usually the the young guys will come through and follow in behind that. In terms of game plan and strategy, are you confident that the game plans and strategies you took into those first few games were the right ones? Was it just the execution that let you down, or have you had to readjust? Um, we, yeah, personally, I think the um, our game plans we're good at it is the the execution and um, you know um, certain relationship with guys um, not working together as well. So um, you know that's the one of the big work ons there is. Um, you know, trying to convert our game plan and, and the, what we see, the opportunities that we see on the field and everyone seeing the same thing so that we can react. Obviously injuries uh, haven't helped the, the situation. Yeah, injuries are very tough. You know, when you, you lose uh, the talent and you know, the, the leaders out of the side, that, that all hurts those relationships in the team. And good to have a few of the boys back. Rene from suspension and a couple of the injured guys coming back. Still a, <laughs> a long injury list, but you know, a few guys coming back. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's the difference with this uh, this competition now. It's, uh, it's so long, you're going to get guys injured, but but um, you know they're going to come back in later and later and in, um, in the, down the track. And you know having a guy like Ranger coming back with um, that X factor and that ability to, to beat a man and score tries and just bring that excitement into the team, which is what we need. Being a long season, Pat suggested that perhaps the eye had drifted a little bit too far down the line, and you've come back to a real game by game approach. Now, is that what it is? Is it clean slate? Um, yeah, it is. It is a, a little bit like that. I think um, you know we, we've drawn a line in the sand, and then we. The only way from here is up um, in our eyes, so you know, we've we just got to get out there and do it. And the breakdown this year, how you, have you found the refs' interpretations? And I guess just how is that going for you guys? Um, yeah, we, we, we have adjusted. I, um, you know, 
was a bit inconsistent at the start, but um, I think you expect that going into the games that every ref's going to be a little bit a little bit different. So it's adjusting to the referee, and I think across the board. Um, we, we improved with what we're trying to do defensively, getting our roles right and um, our penalties were right down. I think we only got penalised three times, all on our ball, I think, um, against the Hurricanes. So, you know, it is, it is about adjusting to each individual referee as they play. Do you do any video analysis of the refs these days to, just to see what their interpretations are and then adjust accordingly? Or is it still just a matter of having a chat and seeing how it goes and playing it by ear? Um, yeah, yeah. Key guys will have a, have a look at the referees. and um, yeah, There's a lot of teams been doing, doing that for, for a long time, I think. That's Daniel Braid talking to Joe Porter. Expected to simply be making up the numbers in this year's Trans-Tasman netball competition, the Southern Steel have shown they can't be underestimated after beating the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic in their opening match. The Steel came back from a six-goal deficit in a big final quarter to pip the more fancied Magic, who are the only side to have reached the playoffs in all four years of the competition. The veteran goal shoot Donna Wilkins, who's returned to the franchise after time with the Canterbury Tactics, says while others may have written them off, there's plenty of determination within the Steel side, which has gone through a lot of change this season. The major one being the departure of long-time coach Robin Broughton. I said to some of the girls that it was, you know, it was a really good feeling during the week, and I, I was picking where we could win by five. You know, you've got to remember it was a home game, it was first up, and yeah, nobody, I guess gave us a chance of winning but ourselves um, and you know it was a great opportunity to hopefully the magic taking us lightly and maybe that was the case. You know you look on paper and we probably shouldn't have had a, a chance of winning the game um, especially also when you you know you go into the last quarter and you're down by six and playing against such an experienced side. Um, you know we do have a lot of experience in our team but also a lot of youth so yeah, I guess no one rated us, and maybe that was a wee bit of that. But I guess now, you know, the, the trouble that we've put ourselves in, and the situation that now no team will take us lightly. So, um, you know, it was a great start for us, and you know, we want to defend our home court. So it was a good start for us to get that win. What was the the feeling in the camp ahead of the season? Was or is it that that was the season was going to be a battle, or, or that you might be title contenders? There was a lot of talk around. You know, it's a, a new era, I guess, with two new coaches, um, with co-coaches with Janine and Natalie. Um, a lot of youth, I guess, coming through with a few old heads. But there was a lot of talk with the Southern Steel franchise and, and making top six. Um, and I guess that's probably their goal at the end of the day. But for me, you know, it's an elite competition and you want to win. And I, I believe if we play to our potential, and I think we showed that on Monday night, we can upset teams and we can push for that top four and, and that's my goal in the competition and then reassess if or you know if we're tracking on nicely for that or or not you know you look at that as, as the season progresses a win like that too will create some expectation as well now oh absolutely and no game is an easy game and we're heading heading away to come up to Napier to play against the Pulse and, and that's not going to be easy by no means and you know they had a great game against the Mystics and probably you know in the same sort of situation as us they had their chances to win the game but just didn't finish it off whereas we did finish it off and yeah the expectation now is there to go out there and do it again and, and none more so than the pressure that the team puts on ourselves you know we know that we've got to back up that performance. Do you notice a different feel now that Robin Broughton's not there? I'm like, there's always going to be a different feel. Like Robin has her way of coaching, and um, you know, so it is a new era, I guess, with the steel. Um, I've got a lot of respect for Robin and what she has done for netball in Southland, and you know, it is a wee bit weird coming back and playing 
down here um, without having her around, but I do talk to her frequently, although I only spoken to her a couple of times this week, heading into obviously playing against them with the pulse. But, yeah, so it is a different feel, but, um, yeah, it's exciting too for these young players coming through. How is it different coaching-wise? I mean, now that you've got Natalie Avellino and, and Janine Southby, as opposed to, to Robin Broughton, well, I mean, straight off, it's different. You know, we've got co-coaches, and it's the first time in the competition um, that there has been co-coaches, so that brings a different mix to it as well. Um, I guess it's a hard one. Um, like we've got a wee bit, I guess, with the Australian style with Natalie as well, which helps. Um, you know, you're coming up against five Australian teams and very rarely do New Zealand um, teams in the ANZ Championship win over in Australia, so hopefully that might give us a wee bit of an insight to that. Um, but I guess the, probably the main difference between Janine and Natalie versus, I guess, Robin is um, Robin's probably a wee bit more old school. She's not into, I guess, the technology side of things, whereas I, in this era things are moving along to, you know, PowerPoint presentations and doing stuff and clips on, you know, computers and different analysis of the game um, versus probably... Robin's experience and knowledge. You mentioned there you'd, had, you'd spoken to her a couple of times. Has there been much banter? Oh, there's always banter with Robbie. <laughs> but no, it's good. It's, um, it's healthy. And obviously I tried to watch her team play. Um, we wanted to see them play on Sunday night because, you know, coming up against them this weekend and spoke to Rob after that game. They were very unlucky not to get a win and she also um, contacted me after our game. So... Yeah, like I, I try and keep it, keep in contact with Rob quite a bit, but hopefully I'll get to catch up with her before our game this weekend. Do you notice that the the Pulse now are a side coached by Robin Broughton? What what do you see there that she's brought to the the side? Oh, definitely. Like from from the bits of the game that I've seen, um, like they really try and control the ball. I don't think their turnover rate was as high as what it has been in previous seasons, and also their through court defence is definitely um, a Robin Broughton style with the the space marking more so than the man on. So, yeah, definitely can see her influence there already. Has this got you thinking about the Silver Ferns again? <laughs> I've only played one game. Um, look, I was really pleased with how, how I did. I still are lacking a wee bit of fitness, obviously, um, but that's going to come from the more games I get. And, you know, the intensity is huge, and as much as you try and simulate that at a training... Um, until you step out on there on that court, you know it, it isn't the same. So the more court um, time that I get, the better I'm going to get. But as far as Silver Fern's commitments, um, I think I'm getting a wee bit old. Well, you've still got just a few years behind Irene, still, aren't you? Oh yeah, well that's true. That's true. I am a few years behind Irene. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's a bit of a juggling act for me with the three kids, and um, I'm just lucky that I've got the support and structures in place to enable me to play the ANZ Championship. So. Um, I don't know if my husband would agree to continue that for the rest of the year with the commitments. It's a huge commitment to, you know, and what's required to, to play at that elite level for, for your country. And I just don't know if I've got the time, you know, I want to put in that time with my family as well. So whether it's, you know, so it's just a wee bit too hard. I was talking to the Southern Steel's Donna Wilkins. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.